Hey, hey everyone. I'm Natalie McCool and I'm here today with someone very special, Hattie Pearson. Hello. Hey, so um, Hattie is a DJ, radio presenter, events promoter, voiceover artist, manager. <laughs> Basically, that's everything you do. <laughs> this goes on, yeah. It does yeah. go on a little bit, doesn't it? So um, the kind of reason behind this podcast is I wanted to speak to some really cool people who I've been working with. Um, just to let everyone know kind of about my life and music and who I work with and stuff like that. So could you please tell us a bit more about yourself? Um, so, yeah, you kind of summed it up in a nutshell, really. <laughs> um, predominantly, I'm a radio presenter, so I currently do a couple of weekend shows uh, on Hits Radio, uh, which used to be Q103, so we recently rebranded, relaunched um, as Hits Radio, so we're now a national station, uh, digitally uh, broadcasted all over the UK. Um, before that, I was at Radio X, which before that was XFM. <laughs> uh, so I've done lots of radio bits, and I've kind of freelanced at... Um, Six Music as well, doing some music news wow. and producing there and producing at um, BBC Breakfast, which was kind of where I first started out. BBC Radio Manchester as well. So radio is kind of my first and true love, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but then I DJ as well, club DJ. So I have my own um, club night, Girls on Film, which yes. is every Saturday um, at the Deaf Institute in Manchester. Um, so that yeah, it's a, it's an alternative eighties night. It's not like a cheesy cringe. Sounds pop great. I have to come down. Night. Yeah, you need to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is crazy nuts to think that in September we'll have been going six years, which is yeah, just absolutely mad to think that any club night can go that long. Let alone uh, little old me. I always say I'll be like ninety, still DJing. 80s music but 80s music That's will cool, eventually go out of fashion I'm sure no, and the club night will come will. to an end it never will you know well, we'll see we'll <laughs> see but yeah that's how I always know how long I've uh, left you since I left uni because I left uni in the like June or whatever and I launched Girls on Film um, in the September so I have left I've been out of uni six years as of September which wow. is quite scary as well makes me feel old no, <laughs> you do not look old. Um, so I've worked with you a few times over the past couple of years. Um, I think the first time was back in XFM days when you had me as artist of the day. Yeah, yeah um, it would have been. Oh, yeah, the weekend yeah. feature that I was doing. Featured artist, yeah. yeah. So it's the first time I kind of spoke to you yeah. and then, you know, you've booked um, me for quite a few shows, including the live show for your YouTube, Matter of Sound with Emily. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, something else, YouTuber as well. Yeah, like, YouTuber. Like, add to the many list of things, <laughs> putting on gigs as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's really good to talk to you. Um, I mean, I kind of, in forever in-depth conversations with other artists about just our little world, so yeah. it's really nice to speak to someone on the on the other kind of side. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about what got you into DJing, radio presenting. I know you've touched on that already, but what was the one thing, or was it kind of a yeah? So steady... it was, at, at uni, I was doing um, student radio, Fuse FM, which is the student radio station at uh, University of Manchester. So kind of just got involved that way, really, and um, then found kind of made some contacts. I, I think I went to like a workshop and. Jim Savilson, who was the producer of the XFM Breakfast Show in Manchester, was there. And I just said to him, oh, can I take your email address? Can I come and do yeah. some work experience? And he was like, "Brilliant, oh, cool. And then I basically never left. Um, I just kind of <laughs> kept turning up. 
And they were like, you don't have to come in every week. But you and I was do. like, yeah, but I want to. You have to make yourself indispensable, yeah, exactly. Don't you? So that was... And then I think I just kind of found found what I loved. Um, and then, yeah, got a few producing shifts at Six, Six Music. And then it kind of just went from there. So I started out as, you know, work experience, doing bits of assistant producing. And that's what I was doing at Radio Manchester as well. And then I won um, Best Female at the Student Radio Awards in 2012, nice. which um, kind of gave me the leap to be able to say, OK, I'm a, I'm a presenter and this is what I'm going to do rather than going down the producer route. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was it, and yeah. I haven't looked back since, really. Yeah, and you've you've also been doing a few things for Radio One, like a, a yeah, getting so into that kind of world as well. Yeah. So with Radio One, that was actually part of the Student Radio Award. Um, so I did a one-off show with them, which was really exciting. Um, and yeah, so there's there's not been anything since with Radio One. Um, but, I I'm, you know, I am sure that <laughs> something's gonna happen. As I said to you last you, time, you never <laughs> never know. Um, so I just want to talk a bit about the other stuff you do because I feel like within what we do is like self-employed people within music. There's a lot of diversity in what we do. You know, like myself, I do like loads of stuff within music, and I'm. I'm sure you do within DJing, you know, there's a, like radio DJ and then you do live DJing, but you also manage bands and artists. Yeah, exactly. Um, put on, putting on your own events. So how important do you think that is within our kind of our lives? Oh, I think it's huge. <laughs> it's massive. Well, and like for me, I think it's just a really sensible decision because it's about fingers in pies. Um, yeah. And when you're self-employed... Uh, you know, anything could go. Yeah, and it's the same with radio, really. Um, you kind of have contracts, but really they're not worth the paper that they're written on <laughs> from either perspective, really. If I wanted to leave at any point, I could. I could just give a couple of months' notice or I could just walk out like any yeah. job. And saying they could sack me and, you know, they don't really owe me anything. Um, so it, to, to me, it's about being secure and knowing when, you know, knowing that I can pay the bills, yeah, basically. Yeah. And just like, have, enjoying the variety of what I do. So, yeah, I really love doing the voiceover work as well. That's always so varied and it can be really, really random and it can be really fun. Meet loads of great people doing that. Um, and yeah, the same with like the Matter of Sound, the YouTube videos and the content that Emily and I put out. And we've recently. Um, started working and collaborating with Ticketmaster. Just put out cool. um, a couple of series. The new series is called um, Homecoming. Uh, so Emily and I are starting to use Matter of Sound rather than just a portfolio of us presenting and producing. We're actually uh, kind of pitching to uh, bigger platforms and making content Good. ourselves. So we did um, a video with Bullet For My Valentine in Cardiff um, and kind of went backstage with them, interviewed them and then we did Fen Lily in Bristol as well. So um, they're more kind of like artistic documentary films. Um, They're only like three, four minutes long but um, that's the kind of content that Emily and I are, you know, really proud of and I'm really passionate about. So it's nice that we've been able to kind of move what we were doing on Matter of Sound, which was essentially, well, we always say it's just exploring Manchester and its music scene, whether that's festivals or backstage interviews or uh, whatever it might be. So it's nice to be able to um, kind of have the freedom and to be able to have an idea and pitch it to somebody and it get commissioned, really. So, yeah, and there's lots of other kind of podcast things that I have my fingers in 
managing and uh, like you say artist management I'm not actually managing anyone at the moment uh, Etch is the band that I was looking after have sadly uh, gone their separate oh, ways oh no um, I'm not sure if you knew that actually. I didn't yeah, yeah so I unfortunately they, I love them yeah they're a great band great band great guys really sound Man. really lovely um, so, yeah, I'm not managing anyone at the moment, which I think is kind of fine by me. I think there's <laughs> enough fingers there's, in You've got pies. enough, yeah, there's yeah, enough going um, on. So, yeah, there's. I think it's the main thing for me is just making sure that, you know, if one thing kind of gives, then you've got you've a bit got of security else. elsewhere and it's... Um, and it's fun that way. Yeah, it means that no day's the same and you know, it's networking club... as well. Yeah, exactly. Um my club night is great and I love that and a team that um you know, the the venue the the Deaf Institute they're owned by a company called Mission Mars, who are really, really great. They actually own um Albert Hall, Albert Schloss, Gorilla, Trough. Um, and there's a few others, I'm Basically sure. Basically, every, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, so they're, big, they're a big company in Manchester and they yeah. know what they're doing and they look after the people that work for them. So, And they're really creative and very forward-thinking, so it's a real pleasure to work for them. And I always know that you know if radio did pack in tomorrow that I could probably go knocking to them and yeah. they'd, they'd find a home for me because they're already sound. And, yeah, they're all, they're all really great people. So, yeah, it's just nice to have a few different... Um, like fingers in pies and variety really I think the only thing is that I kind of feel like sometimes I'm not part of a team in a conventional sense to yeah, some degree yeah. being self-employed you're kind of out there can... on, on your own aren't, yeah aren't you? and you can feel a bit isolated at yeah. times but you know I've been in the game like yeah six seven years now so I'm kind of used to it and I, yeah. I, I kind of enjoy it and I don't mind the working evenings and weekends. I mean, it can, it, it takes its toll sometimes, but yeah. when it's sunny like it is at the moment, I'm just sunbathing in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like working in the night, it's fine. It suits me down to the ground. Yeah, I always think like the week is my weekend yeah, and then the weekend exactly. is my actual week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I know a lot of people listening will be subscribed to playlists, whether that be Spotify or even YouTube, um, even create their own for personal use. So... Mm-hmm. Um, just interested in from a DJ perspective where there might be a lot of pressure on you to play certain stuff, um, certain tracks, how much control do you have in playing what you play? So in terms of radio, um, I have no say. Um, And that might surprise some people, but on a station like Hits Radio, a commercial um, hit music essentially station, um, it's all playlisted. We have a music team um, who... um, you know, do do all the hard work for us, as it were. So I kind of turn up and I have a music log um, and I have to stick to those exact songs. And if I'm running over time, I can maybe drop song and I'll get told which song in that hour that I can drop, but I can't move things around yeah. um, and I can't swap them out for other songs. So, And that is the case with all commercial. Yeah. That, that's the same with Capital, with Heart, um, with any local commercial Smooth. stations. Smooth yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and even with, you know, Radio 1, Radio 2, those yeah. those. DJs, unless they're specialist DJs like Annie Mac or, um, you know, look at like the BBC introducing guys who mm. get a bit of a pick, but they will still sit down with the music team um, and do a lot of collaborating on that. It's It would just sound so sporadic if if it wasn't done that yeah, way. And there is yeah. a science behind it. Like we do testing um, with audiences to see how the music tests. Um, so sometimes you'd be like, well, this 
this radio station is playing loads of this specific artist. Mm. Why is that the case? Um, and it's purely down to the fact that we put 200 people in a room and you play them songs and they go, yeah, we all really like this song. And you that's might think so this mad. sounds so repetitive, but <laughs> that's what that that's how we do it. And it's it, it, there is a science to it, even though it seems a bit balmy, but that's the way to do it. Yeah. And then... Playlisting from a DJ from a live point of view when I DJ out and about. I mean, my eighties night is an eighties night. There's only so much eighties music. There, there, there isn't new eighties music being released, um, so I kind of have like Strange, a little Stranger pot. Things soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have a little That's pot it. that I can work from. Although the Stranger Themes, we did a Stranger Things theme, Girls on Film. Uh, a few months back and it went down really well yeah, it was really really bet. busy and we played yeah and I played like a load of the strange things stuff. so you know there's there's elements of it like that and we can have a lot of fun with what we do and um, you know it's not that tight but th- there is a lot of 80s music obviously but there's also a lot of 80s music that people have never heard of that if I played it would just totally fall flat you know I could but play a lot do of do you think though like because it's got that 80s sound so people might be like oh I don't know this one but it's yeah, cool. maybe. I mean, there's enough of, like, the funk and soul and disco stuff yeah. for the 80s that, yeah, you can get away with that, but there's a lot of... Yeah, the, well. there is, you like, know. Like, electronic just, That drum that... sound just makes you cringe a little yeah, bit sometimes. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of rubbish synth stuff from the yeah. 80s. Well, there's a lot of good stuff, but... Um, so, yeah, but then it's nice when I kind of get random gigs as well, whether that's... Uh, you know, corporate DJ gigs or weddings or, you know, whatever. And then that's and you, when I can yeah, play a bit of Bewitched and Spice yeah, Girls. Yeah. And like, so you fun. Know, yeah, and you can have a re- real fun with it then. And you kind of go from whatever the person that's kind of hired you says. Also, I, I'll, I'll have an idea of what I'm going to do, but I think I'll have to just kind of see what the crowd are like on the night. Yeah. So you can't, you can't be that hard and fast with it. You've got to... You've got to play with the crowd a bit. Do you know Ingrid Michaelson? No. She's like an American singer-songwriter. She's quite big. But she is weirdly doing an album inspired by the Stranger Things soundtrack. Wow. Called Stranger Songs. Cool. I just think that's amazing. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that yeah. does sound epic. <laughs> I, I can't remember what genre. I think she's like pop poppy folk. Okay, cool. So that will be quite interesting. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, because my next question actually was... Um, you know, do you think that the kind of control or lack of control in commercial radio DJing affects the other areas of what you do? But you just said, yeah, completely it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, that's just the nature, the nature of it, really. Um, and lots of people often say to me, oh, well, like, don't you hate that? And I'm like, well, we can't all love our jobs 100% of the time. Like, It's music. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. music. And it might not all be 100% yeah. to my taste. I'll happily hold my hands up to that. But, you know, even when I was at XFM, it wasn't all 100% to my taste yeah. either. So, you know, it's, it is a job. It's my dream job. But, you know, there are, there's got to be some downfalls it's not yeah. perfect yeah definitely <laughs> but equally on the flip side of that if i got total free reign it would be an absolute nightmare like it would be so tough it would be so tough Sometimes and the amount of there's... work that would go into that yeah would just be crazy i mean i covered yeah. john kennedy who does exposure on um radio x xfm um uh, for like a two-week stint when i was there and it was probably the toughest show that I've ever done because I actually I got like six or seven free plays within each hour so the amount of prep that I had to go into each show in comparison to you know 
what I kind of do now. You, you, and it's a very different kind of radio doing specialist music and, you know, having to know all the info on the artist, doing your research behind the artist, whereas the kind of radio that I'm doing at the moment is more entertainment, more content-led, more features. So I'm not saying I can turn up and wing it, but it's more about me telling my stories, you know, what have I been up to today yeah. and bringing, like, bringing that to the audience and engaging an audience yeah, on that level. Yeah. So it's a very different skill. Yeah. That's so crazy, like being yeah being on um on the radio where you kind of it's almost like if you if you were able to choose the tracks that you wanted to play it would be like running a, a blog on yeah. the radio yeah and absolutely. a blog is such hard work and nobody, like. nobody would it would be so sporadic nobody would enjoy it it, would, <laughs> it really and that's why often community radio stations and um, you know, smaller independent stations just sound so eclectic. And that's the beauty of them in yeah. so many ways. Uh, but that's why they often don't get many listeners because the music, there's just no, there's no there's continuity no in it. it. Yeah. And the, the audience don't, don't know what to expect and get scared by it and go and find something else that's more predictable. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got time for a few more questions. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, being a DJ, how many live music shows do you go and watch? Is that something that you, you know actively what? I, go? I'm or... really rubbish at going to so, gigs. So am I. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> rubbish at going to gigs. And it's more just, um, it's just time. Yeah, yeah. Thing. It's the fact that I work weekends for a start, um, so I physically can't mm. go and watch shows. Um, and it's that it's also my job to sit and listen to music. So sometimes I just want to be at home and read a book or yeah, go and walk yeah. the dog. So I think it can it can be very consuming and it can sometimes take the pleasure out of it. That's why I didn't study English literature at uni because I was always worried that it would take the joy away from reading. So that's why I did English language. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was worried ah. that being told that I had to read loads of books would like scare me into, mm. and then I would be like oh I hate reading and I never wanted that to happen so yeah, that's why I studied yeah. English language instead so I do sometimes feel, but I'm also in a very privileged position that I get invited to go to a lot of shows and that um I yeah I can get tickets to almost any any gig that's that I so want cool. to go to so it's it's a very privileged position to be in and I am so grateful for that and it's it's always a joy to go to shows um, that have been recommended to me or that people have yeah. invited me to. So, yeah, I certainly don't take that for granted. That's definitely a, an advantage to the job. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you when... So, for me, like, if I, have, if I hear a song on record and then I go and see it live, it has to be so much harder hitting to for me to enjoy it. Mm. So I just wondered, for someone who listens to music every day on record... What would it take for uh, seeing the same band doing that record live to really make an impact on you? That is a really good question. That is a really good question. I think for me, because I'm a very like visual, creative person anyway, I think when I go and see a show, there has to be something, you know, they have to have pulled the stops out in terms of production mm. um, as well. So and I uh, And to give it something different, you know, I think it's not necessarily easy for an artist to replicate what's on record, but I actually like hearing a, a, a track live that is, totally interprets the track in a different way. The yeah, fact that you can yeah, have yeah. so much fun with it when you're doing it live, I don't think that it's necessary to replicate it as it exactly is on the record. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of it. I think, you know, it, every, every 
just that every moment is different in life. Why, why would you want to do it exactly the same when you can share something different or, you know, to play, play pitch something up or use a slightly different uh, speed, tempo or whatever? I think, and that, I think, to the audience is much less predictable and yeah. more exciting and you know that then it's a one-off unique experience Definitely. so yeah i'd say actually not re- recreating what's exactly on the record doing changing something a bit yeah changing it yeah. up and doing something that's a bit different and unpredictable yeah for, for me like with with my new stuff i've just been absolutely hammering like how i can make it really interesting on stage and we've literally got like seven minute long <laughs> tracks nice. with like extended intros and putting the bridge at the end and it's yeah. just so much fun like I, I, i've never really got delved into it before but it's so important. and i think it makes it it makes it more enjoyable for the artist i mean once you've sat in the studio and like just gone over and over and over the same tracks like you know, to to get it perfect, which is obviously what you have to do for a record. Yeah. But I think then, you know, you can do whatever you want when you're live, and that's you know, and that should I think be the selling point for um, tickets is that people know that they can come and they'll experience something yeah, totally different. Yeah, something new. Yeah. So so, uh, I mean, uh, when I'm watching kind of I don't know Glastonbury or like a commercial festival on TV, and I, uh, when a pop artist comes on and sings to a track, I'm like. No, yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. poor. I, it's poor. It's, You've got to have yeah. a live, at least a live drummer, because yeah. the drums is just important. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's lazy, and um, I don't, I, I just don't understand why why yeah. you would do it. You've got the budget. Just take yeah, you're exactly. on the main stage. Take a, take a live band. Yeah, make it good. You know? I mean, if you're not capable of doing that, then you shouldn't be. You shouldn't. Yeah, but. I must think like they. It's kind of just something on the side for the, for them like mm. the rec it's all about the record and spotify and whatever youtube and then oh i've got to don't go and do it live and i'll just yeah. do back and track because i a don't PAs, know how to yeah. do it any other way well like, <laughs> i think a lot of fans see through that as well yeah. um once they do kind of do shows like that you kind of think mm, okay it's not what i was expecting or yeah. they clearly can't replicate that yeah um or... I, I remember did you see lord's glastonbury set Oh, she! Oh God, it was amazing. It was um, she she did have elements of a live band, but it was mostly track. But what was really interesting is she had a glass box, like behind her, and in it she'd re- recreate scenes like from the songs with oh, dancers and amazing. like lights, and and then at the end it w- it would tilt oh, from okay. side to side. Amazing. So it was like on on kind of this metal stilt thing. Yeah. And then it opened and they all tumbled out and then got on stage and danced around her. And it was oh, just wicked. like yeah, so I think absolutely amazing. Like, yeah, production is really important for me. I think you've got that opportunity to give the audience and your fans, you know, a totally new experience that they can't, you know, the visu- the, the whole visual aspect on a record is totally your imagination. Yeah. So once you're there and you're in front of an audience, you can really build that story and yeah, yeah. like imprint imprint your experience and how you've um your perception of the record and what you're trying to perceive you can really put that in the audience's mind so i think it's a wasted opportunity if you don't if you don't yeah Yeah. especially if you someone like lord you've got the budget you can totally do it exactly (laughs) i'm just figuring out how how i would do it (laughs) on basically no budget (laughs) um yeah so i've just got a few mini final questions so do you have any pre 
DJ gig or pre-radio show rituals no, you like to do? I don't. And I, I, no, I don't. I don't think it's necessary. And I'm not. I mean, obviously, I get nervous, but it's yeah. I think I'm not very superstitious about stuff like that. So yeah. no, I just, just get kind in of, and do it. Yeah, just <laughs> take a deep breath and yeah. kind of crack on. And and I always think, you know, nobody died. I'm not. A, I'm not a heart surgeon. I'm not an astronaut or like a physicist or something like if i press the wrong button or if i crash the vocals on a song or if i miss an ad break nobody died yeah and so like what's the worst that can happen i get an angry email from my boss being like you missed the ad break i'm like oh, i'm really sorry <laughs> i love the like, voice you missed the ad break <laughs> such a managerial I get, I get voice i get a lot of emails saying you missed the ad break that's not talking too much <laughs> okay what single night out has been most memorable for you a night out a night out yes oh god <laughs> it can be part of a gig that you've done or something that you've been doing for DJing or work or whatever. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Okay, I think it's something that just popped into my mind. It might not be the top one, but um, I really enjoyed playing um, Manchester International Festival a couple of years ago, um, and it's not on this year, so it'll be on next year, and I really hope I get asked to play again. Um, it was just a really great crowd, and I think it just shows... Manchester International Festival is just an amazing festival that just showcases loads of incredible talent from all walks of life theatre music um it's just wonderful and i dj'd uh, the tent at pavilion square in um albert square and it was just ace the crowd were nuts and it was probably one of my favorite dj gigs that i've yeah. ever done actually um and dave haslam was kind of booking the djs and he asked me to legend uh, yeah. yeah he is a legend and he <laughs> asked me to dj so uh, i went along and then i had dave haslam breathing down my neck as i was djing so like no <gasps> pressure oh, uh, and i was like he's a lovely guy DJ. though isn't he He's, yeah, he brought me nice. some biscuits, yeah. brought me some bourbons and some custard biscuits. creams and uh, some peppermint tea. That's so nice. <laughs> Whilst I was DJing. That's so random, like but biscuits. Yeah, I had a really good night that night, actually, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought beer, but biscuits nice. is cool. Yeah, Dave is all about the peppermint tea. Peppermint tea. <laughs> um, if you could eternally be stuck in one year's music scene, which year would it be? I think it'll be a year from the 80s. Yeah, maybe. it's got to be. <laughs> I think it's got to be something from the 80s. Although I must admit, I was only born in November 89. So it's not, te I mean, it's, I'm only just in the 80s. Um, yeah. So it's not my era. I didn't grow up with the 80s at all. The 80s, the club night came because I saw that there was nobody doing it in Manchester. And I was like, there's a gap in the market yeah. here, I'll do it. So it was a business thing. It wasn't necessarily a passion thing. And then it kind of <laughs> evolved into that. Uh, so, yeah, I would probably say something like 86 or 87 something a bit later on or maybe even like yeah 88 because then you get kind of the hip-hop and yeah. the electronic stuff and all of the kind of really groovy stuff and like early house stuff that you kind of get mm. in you know in the early 90s as well so yeah late 80s i'd say okay late 80s um cool so what is one track that never gets old for you no matter how many times you hear it jermaine stewart you don't have to take your clothes off Oh, that's a good, a good one. That's yeah. a good play, one. I literally play it every DJ set I do. Love it. Yeah. It's great. So it such, what a lifting core. It's yeah. like... Um, do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't. No, oh, that was my final question. What's your favourite Game of Thrones character? Um, <laughs> oh, what? Who's the guy... Oh, no, I, I interviewed him. 
Uh, no, you interviewed one of them. Yeah, but I don't know what his name is oh. because I'm not into it. Was he, he was in English the Circle Waves music video. Was he English or American? English. Little kid, about 18, oh, 19. Is... I'd recognise his was name. Was it Bran? Yeah. From him. there. I've really? I've met him. So he, him, because That's he's the only so one I know. Cool. I interviewed him because he was in the Circle Waves music video. Okay. And I did a thing with Vivo and Vivo I like was pre- presenting this video for Vivo and we went backstage of the making of Circle Waves music video. So I had a chat to the guys from Circle Waves and uh, Brian. That is cool. He is like central character. Okay, well him it's then. Big. He's my favourite Game of Thrones. Yeah, character. he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having Amazing. me. Amazing. Yeah, no worries. It was great. Um, so yeah, thank you Hattie. Um, and I'll be back next month with another podcast with somebody else. I don't know who yet, but <laughs> we'll find out. Thank you Hattie. Thank you. I think you're a man.